Please open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. And I'm going to read and preach verses 9 through 11 this morning. The Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has just described unbelievers as those who are hostile towards God and rebellious against God and unable to please God. And now he turns to describe believers, those who've been saved by God, those who've been enabled to repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And he says that as believers, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, in our hearts. We are in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us. And we belong to Jesus Christ, as we just sung about. And even though our bodies are dead because of sin, the Spirit who dwells in us gives us resurrection life. Paul says that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, will also give life to our mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in us. So the life-giving Spirit of God dwells within our hearts as believers. Those are glorious gospel truths, and we're going to explore them together, what they mean and how they should impact the way each of us live our daily lives. So let's pray for God's help, and then we'll begin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these great truths, and we pray that you would help us now as we consider them together. Help us to see how truly glorious they are and how much we need them, how much we need to understand them and also to apply them to our daily lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do dwell in our hearts. Would you give us spiritual life now as we come to your word? Work in our hearts, stir our hearts, soften our hearts so that we can receive the seed of the word And please cause it to grow and sprout and bear fruit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8, reading verses 9 through 11. This is the word of God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Two main points this morning. You can see them there in your sermon notes. Indwelling spirit, verse 9, and resurrection life, verses 10 and 11. Paul pivots in verse 9 from talking about unbelievers to talking about believers. Leading up to verse 9, he's talked about the fact that unbelievers, again, are hostile towards God and rebellious against God and unable to please God. Look back again at verse 7. Verse 7, Paul says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, those who are in the flesh, 
cannot please God. But then he pivots in verse 9. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You believers, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You used to be in the flesh. You used to be in verses 7 and 8. But now you're in the spirit. Now you're in verses 9 and 10 and 11. You were in the flesh by nature, but now you're in the spirit by grace. What does he mean by in the flesh, though? What does he mean by in the spirit, these phrases? Well, he's talking about what rules us and controls us. He's talking about what reigns over us and directs our lives. As Christians, it's no longer the flesh, it's now the spirit of God. We still have the flesh, but we are no longer in the flesh. We are no longer under the rule and reign of the flesh. We are no longer under its dominating power. We are under the rule and reign and dominating power of the spirit. We are no longer in Egypt, as it were, enslaved to sin. We are now in the promised land under God's reign, his saving reign. Yes, there's still some Canaanites in the land that need to be conquered. Yes, there is still sin in our hearts that needs to be put to death. But sin is no longer our master. The Spirit is our master. Though we still have indwelling sin, we now have the indwelling Spirit. And I think remembering that will help us when we're tempted to sin. When you're tempted to sin, when you're tempted to follow some fleshly impulse, whether it be anger or anxiety or lust or laziness or greed or gluttony, in the moment of temptation, recall this verse. Remember this verse. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You sense how that would be helpful? You're not in the flesh anymore, so you don't have to follow that fleshly impulse. You're in the spirit now. You can walk by the spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're no longer a slave in Egypt. You are a free man in the promised land. You're in the spirit now. You are indwelt by the life-giving, sin-killing, holy spirit of God. I think if we remember that, if we can remember it, recall it to mind when we're tempted to sin and believe it and act on it, it will help us greatly. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But then notice that Paul says, if. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, he's not trying to stir up doubt in our minds. He's trying to stir up self-examination in our minds. Self-examination that leads to confirmation and confidence in the fact that the Spirit of God does indeed dwell within us. He dwells in the hearts of all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. And think about what a great privilege that is. That the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable Spirit of God would come to dwell within us. What a great comfort and help to know that the Comforter, the Helper, lives inside us. 
What a great spur to holiness to realize that the Holy Spirit has moved into the home of our heart. What a great incentive for us to tell the truth at all times, knowing that the spirit of truth resides in us. What a great help in prayer to know that the spirit who intercedes for us is within us. What a great help to persevere in the Christian life, whether it be through trials or through just the normal routines of ordinary life, to know that the all-powerful, life-giving Spirit of God empowers us and enlivens us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's a third statement at the end of verse 9 there. And it really reiterates and reinforces what's already been said. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ, Paul says. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you belong to the evil one, other Bible verses say. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're still in the flesh. And you need to be saved. You need to be born again. Near the end of the letter of Jude, we read the following. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, quote, In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. If you're devoid of the Spirit, You're devoid of Christ. But those who belong to Christ Jesus, Galatians 5.24, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And by the grace of God, that's what's true of all believers. All believers have the spirit of Christ, and therefore all believers belong to Christ. I belong to Jesus, we just sang. I am not my own. All I have and all I am shall be his alone. I belong to Jesus. He is Lord and King, reigning in my inmost heart over everything. Whether you're a new convert or seasoned saint, you have the spirit of Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Everything you have and everything you are is his, wonderfully his. You are not the Lord You are not the king. He is Lord and king. And he reigns over everything in your life, even down to your inmost heart. There's not a little box of things you can keep to yourself. There's not a little compartment of your heart that's off limits to him. He owns it all. He rules it all. He sees it all. And we owe it all to him. I belong to Jesus. He has died for me. I am his, 
and he is mine through eternity. Now, just a little theology sidebar here, and then we'll look at our second main point. You may have noticed some Trinitarian things going on in verses 9 and 10 and 11 as well. At the beginning of verse 9, you can see there, we have a reference to the Spirit, that is the third person of the Trinity. In the middle of verse 9, we have a reference to the Spirit of God, that is the Spirit of the Father, the first person of the Trinity. And then at the end of verse 9, we have a reference to the Spirit of Christ, that is the Spirit of the Son, the second person of the Trinity. You notice that verse 10 starts out with, but if Christ is in you, when he's just been talking about the Spirit being in you, And in verse 11, he refers to the Spirit, third person of the Trinity, of Him, first person of the Trinity, who raised Jesus, second person of the Trinity, from the dead. The Spirit of the Father raised the Son from the dead. So here in these verses, we have several references to the Trinity, to the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in three persons all working together to accomplish our salvation and to apply our salvation to our hearts and our lives. John Chrysostom, a pastor in the early church, said, For where the Spirit is, there Christ is also. Wherever one person of the Trinity is present, the whole Trinity is present too. For the Trinity is undivided and has a perfect unity in itself some things to consider, some things to meditate on regarding our triune God. But let's look at our second main point now, resurrection life. So the Spirit of God dwells in us, but He doesn't just sit there. He gives us resurrection life. Look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. But if Christ is in you, Christ is in us by his Holy Spirit who is in us. Paul prays for the Christians in Ephesus at the end of Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Christ dwells in our hearts through the spirit, the spirit of the Father in our inner being. Or he says in Colossians 1:27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Perhaps a passage that's come to your mind, Galatians 2.20 in the last few moments. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus Christ dwells in us. Jesus Christ dwells in our hearts by his Spirit. What a privilege. What a blessing. 
But if Christ is in us, Paul says, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, it's a bit hard to determine exactly what Paul means by these phrases, as Peter said near the end of 2 Peter 3, our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. I would say that this is one of those parts that are hard to understand, and with God's help, we will not be ignorant and unstable and twist it to our own destruction. When Paul says that the body is dead because of sin, he could be talking about the present or he could be talking about the future. If he's talking about the present, when he says the body is dead because of sin, he would mean something like we are burdened and weighed down by the flesh. At the end of chapter 7, Paul referred to the flesh as, quote, this body of death. So when he says that the body is dead because of sin, he could be referring to the flesh and our present experience in the here and now of being burdened and weighed down by the flesh. Or he could be talking about the future, in which case when he says the body is dead because of sin, he would mean something like our physical bodies are going to die one day because of sin. The body is dead or is subject to death or is on its way to death or there's a death sentence upon it because of sin. It's not clear to me which one Paul means here, whether he's talking about the present or the future. Both are true biblically, though, and so we'll keep both in mind. We are burdened and weighed down by the flesh in the present, and our physical bodies will die one day because of sin. Death is not the natural order of things. Death is the unnatural disorder of things brought into the world by our sin. We will all die unless Christ returns first. And we must be ready to die. Ready for the return of Christ, making sure that our trust is in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. Death is ugly, but it can be beautiful for the Christian. If our trust is not in ourselves and our own righteousness, but in Christ and his righteousness and his perfect atonement for our sin, then we don't have to fear death. Death has lost its sting. Because to die is gain. If Paul means here, however, that we are burdened and weighed down by the flesh in the present, we know what that's like as believers, don't we? It's what Paul talked about in Romans 7. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Sin is like a dead weight. We are weighed down by sin. We are burdened by sin. We are easily entangled by sin. We are heavy laden with sin. But even though this is the case, even more importantly, something else is the case. Paul says, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
The Spirit is the one who will give us resurrection life in the future, and the Spirit is the one who gives us resurrection life in the present. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of life, verse 2. To set the mind on the Spirit is life, verse 6. He is the life-giving Spirit. He is the Lord and giver of life, as we affirm together in the Nicene Creed. He gives us life when we are dead in sin. He continues to give us life as we fight against sin. And he gives us life forever when sin will be no more. And the Spirit is life because of righteousness, Paul says. That is, because of the gift of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ that he earned for us during his life and imputes to us when we believe in him. Because of the righteousness of Christ, because we have the righteousness of Christ, the Spirit produces spiritual life in us, even though sin remains in us. And this should be a great encouragement to us because we are so often weighed down by sin, aren't we? But what an encouragement to know that even though we are weighed down by sin, the more dominant reality in our lives is that the Spirit gives us spiritual life. The Spirit is at work in us to give us resurrection life and resurrection power to conquer that sin that remains. The body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit within us is stronger than the sin within us. The indwelling spirit is more powerful than indwelling sin. The force of sin pulling us down to death is strong, but the force of the spirit pulling us up to life is stronger. That should encourage us. That should give us courage for the fight. That should inspire us to persevere and not lose heart. That should empower us to endure and not give up. The fact that Christ is in us and the Spirit gives us spiritual life should enable us to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Paul drives the point home once more in verse 11. Look at verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He's saying, if the spirit of the Father who raised the Son, dwells in you. The Father who raised the Son will also raise you through the Spirit. If the Spirit of the Father who raised the Son dwells in you, the Father who raised the Son will also raise you through the Spirit. Paul refers to the Spirit of Him that is, the Father, 
who raised Jesus from the dead. So the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Galatians 1.1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Jesus raised himself from the dead. John 2.19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 1.4, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. The Father raised the Son, the Son raised the Son, and the Spirit raised the Son. The whole Trinity raised the one mediator between the Trinity and man, the second person of the Trinity incarnate, Jesus Christ our Lord. And Paul says that the Spirit of the Father who raised the Son actually dwells in us. Dwells in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit who dwells in us. The Spirit of the Father who raised the Son. That's who lives inside us. It's not the Spirit of the man upstairs. It's not the Spirit of a kindly but aloof heavenly grandfather. It's not the spirit of a vague and undefined deity. It's the spirit of the Father who raised the Son from the dead. That is the spirit who lives inside us. That is who indwells us. That is the kind of power we have access to by faith in order to fight sin and live for Christ in our daily lives. Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And if that's the case, Paul says, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He will certainly do this in the future. He who raised Jesus will also raise us. One day we will get a resurrection body like Jesus' resurrection body, a body that will never die, a body that will never decay, a body with no disease, a body with no deformity, a body that will never age, a body that will never pass away. But in the meantime, he who raised Jesus will also give us resurrection life through his spirit who dwells within us now. As Paul said back in Romans 6, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul prays in Ephesians 1 that we would know What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? The Spirit of the Father who raised the Son dwells in us. Therefore, we have resurrection life and power through the Spirit who dwells in us. Because Christ the Lord is risen today, 
We who are indwelt by his spirit are risen today. We are alive in him, our living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. We have the garments of Christ's righteousness on us and the power of Christ's spirit in us. And God gives us resurrection life through his spirit who dwells within us. Wonderful truths. Gospel truths. And as we think about them, as we think about all of this, as we draw to a close this morning, there are two realities that, underscore, that I want to underscore that characterize our lives as Christians. Two forces at play, if you will, as we go through life in this fallen world. First, there's indwelling sin. We have indwelling sin. Therefore, we struggle. We are burdened. We are heavy laden. It dogs us daily. It clings to us constantly. It tempts us. It troubles us. And we have to fight it. We have to persevere. We cannot give up. We've been set free from the power of sin, but we haven't yet been set free from the presence of sin. It's going to be with us until the day we die or until Christ returns. Particular sins may be significantly mortified, and we should pray for that. Particular temptations may recede into the background, and we should pray for that. But indwelling sin in its various forms will remain in us throughout all the different seasons of our life. We shouldn't be shocked by this. We certainly shouldn't be overcome by this. We shouldn't despair about it. We shouldn't give up or give in. And that is because of the second reality that characterizes our lives as Christians. Yes, we have indwelling sin, but we also have the indwelling spirit. The spirit of God lives in our hearts. The spirit of the father who raised the son dwells in us. The comforter, the helper, the holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of power, the spirit of life dwells in us. And therefore, we have resurrection life. We have resurrection power coursing through us. We have what we need. We have all we need to put to death our indwelling sin. We have the ability to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. We have the power to fight sin and live for Christ in our daily lives. Jesus said in John 14, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Indwelling sin may dog us, but the indwelling spirit of God gives us life and power to conquer sin. The world and the devil may assail us, but greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Our hope and our confidence and our strength is not in us, it's in the Spirit 
And the Spirit is in us and will be in us forever. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the great salvation we have in you. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us on the cross. We thank you, Father, for raising Jesus from the dead. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and dwelling in our hearts. Would you give us resurrection life and power to fight sin and live for Christ in our daily lives? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.